Hello, I'm Brett Gilliland, host of the Circuit of Success podcast, and here's what's coming up. I will out loud and other people will hear me because I will literally be like, right. hold on, let me try that again, which I, I'm i not embarrassed of because I'm sh you know, kind of demonstrating to others that I want to practice what I preach. And I'm hopefully encouraging other people to do the same for themselves. It's like we tear ourselves apart all the time. It's so easy to do that. It's not helpful. So I want to challenge myself to do hard things. I want to challenge myself to try things I'm afraid of. I want to challenge myself to, you know, create a new default mindset. And that means consistently kind of talking to myself the way that a good coach or a good friend would, right? It's challenging yeah. and challenging myself. Hi there, Brett. Good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you today. We're going to talk um, for those listening and, and watching. Uh, we're going to have 50% of this is going to be about us as parents, uh, raising children with sports. Ellie was a uh, dual college athlete. You've played golf, uh, I believe, in France, in England, in the United States uh, at, a, at a very high level. Um, you, you know, you've done the college thing. So I want to talk parenting slash sports. And then I also want to talk business, mindset, culture, all that type of stuff. Sound good? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, you are with uh, IMG. So that's uh, anybody in the sports world probably knows who IMG is down in, I believe, in, was it Bradenton, Florida? And, uh, and then uh, Limitless Minds is another company that you, uh, that you work with. And you also have your own uh, consulting company. So you are busy. And uh, we'll dive into all that work that you're doing. But I'd love to kind of just pick your brain a little bit on what's made you the woman you are today uh, to wake up and get to you know, kind of work for three different companies and run your own deal. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Diving straight into it. <laughs> so what's made me the woman I am today? I, I mean, I think a lot of that, of course, we could start early on, like with my parents. We, we won't go into all of that detail, but I think I had parents who instilled pretty strong values in me from a young age, right? It's like, if you start something, you're going to finish it. You're going to give it all you've got, um, whole heart, whole head in the game. And uh, my dad came from a pretty heavy sporting background. He played hockey in college and up in Canada. So sport was something that I was involved in from a really young age. And then I ended up getting into, um, you may have said golf, but it was actually soccer. Oh, did <laughs> so I say it, golf? I'm sorry. I, no, I play no, golf. Totally so. fine. <laughs> I figured that was the case, um, yeah. but I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure he knows that but it's fine. Uh, so soccer was my main sport. And I got into that from a pretty young age. I ended up doing the club thing, high school thing, traveling. Uh, and then to be honest, I think like big picture answer, a lot of my mess ups, a lot of my obstacles, adversity, that's made me who I am today more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I I ended up like getting into quite a lot of trouble when I was in high school. I was a pretty bad kid for a while. I think my mom even threatened to like put me into a group home at one point. I ended up quitting soccer for a year, my junior year. And when I did that, I was also in a car accident. Um, so I was just getting into a lot of trouble. And after that year, I realized what I actually wanted and I started doing it for myself. So I realized before that point, mm. I was doing it for my parents. I was doing it for other people to please them. And that for me, even today, I see that it's like a really big turning point where I started making my own decisions, uh, doing it with good intention, knowing that even the tough decisions and the decisions that scared me, like going away for college and playing soccer in college, I had a lot of doubt in myself, but I knew 
that I wouldn't regret it, that I would grow from it regardless of how it went. So from that point forward, I started making the hard decisions, um, becoming more resilient and choosing to go for what I wanted and doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And so, how do you think that you, yeah. you chose that? I mean, it, it's hard as a kid, right? I think you said your junior year. So you're, you know, clocking in at 17 ish years old and, and to make that decision to say, I'm doing this for myself now, what was it? What was that? Maybe that light switch moment, that aha moment that made you think that? I think for me, it, it part of me felt like at that age, I hit rock bottom in some sense. Um, like I, I had gotten in a car accident where I was drinking and it, I was just making poor decisions and acting out and I didn't quite know why. Uh, so when I got to this point where I was like, who cares? I'm not playing soccer anymore. I'm not doing anything for anyone. I don't know if I want to, you know, stay in school. It felt like I had nothing to lose. And so when I got to that point, it felt like any decision I made, what's the worst that could happen? I've already figured out what happens when I don't have any of it. And that's when I said, well, what is it that I actually want? Like, what, what is it that I want? Where do I want to take things? And, and for me, that was the turning point where I chose soccer. I committed to school and seeing where I could take both of those things. But I, I kind of yeah. needed that because it made me do it for me and not for anybody else. So what, would, what message would you have for that 17-year-old, you know, Ellie now or that 17-year-old girl or boy, listen to this, or their parents are listening to this? What, what message would you have for them to not have to go through what you went through or your parents went through with that? Yeah, I, so, I mean, I, I won't give advice to my younger self, because to be honest, I don't think my younger self would have even accepted it at that time. Like, if I could have, Buzz if off. I could have tried, <laughs> yeah. if I could have tried, uh, or talking to parents and to younger athletes now, I would say to, um, you know, have open conversation and explore ideas. Uh, I think sometimes like when I work with younger athletes and I ask them, okay, why is it that you do this? Why is it that you play your sport? A lot of times the first answer is, well, I don't know. Cause that's what I do. And so we spend some time exploring that. Like, what is it that you like about it? Does it bring you joy? Are you doing it for social reasons? Where do you want to take it? And then having that conversation with parents as well, because sometimes there's a misalignment of goals. And I think for me, um, and it's not just about sport, right? This could be academics. This could be life. You know, what is it that you want out of your life? Why do you do the things that you do? Sometimes with my parents, they wanted me to play sport for different reasons than I wanted to play sport. Um, they wanted a certain career path for me that was different than what I wanted for myself, but we never really had that open conversation. So there was just like some tension that existed because we just assumed that we were on the same page and we didn't have that open communication around what both of us wanted and how my parents could support me in that, how I could be understanding and kind of compromise some of the things that they wanted for me. I think that conversation wasn't really happening at that age. And I'm sure a lot of that was due yeah. to me not really wanting to have those conversations or realizing that that would be helpful. But I would encourage that from a really, really young age because it can just help with support and kind of navigating the changes that are happening at a young age. Yeah. 
How, how did you like? How did your parents handle you? Obviously, you were uh, successful at your sport, and and you did take a year off, and and um, and all that stuff. But how did they handle? Like, what did they do well? And if you're open to it, maybe is there anything that they maybe didn't do well that as a parent and people listen to this, they're all parents with kids. What we could do on the on the good and the bad side to help our child uh, succeed in what they want to do. Yeah, good question. I think um, at at first. I would probably say that my my parents took like the helicopter approach for a while. I don't know if you've heard that term, like the helicopter oh, yeah. parent, yeah. where they were just, you know, I was the firstborn child, so I was the one they were cautious with. There were a lot of restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to make sure they did all the right things, and so they monitored every little thing that I did to the point where I think I felt like I didn't have, um, I didn't feel independent. I didn't feel like I was making my own choices, and so. I started to rebel. And I think part of that you can probably see in my career path now. Like I, I like to choose what I do. I like to do multiple things. Um, and so when they were telling me what to do and kind of trying to restrict me a lot of the time, uh, not that the, the rules were bad. I think that they were just constantly like, okay, who are you going with? Where are you going? How long are you going to be there? Uh, let me talk to their parents. I think there weren't very many opportunities for trust or letting me make the decisions and kind of live with the consequences. And I could have used that a little bit more. So I think it got to the point where they realized that that wasn't working. Like they were suffering and I was suffering. And so then they kind of took the opposite approach and they were like, do you know what? Hands off. So when I quit soccer, they were like, bad decision. Don't agree with it. But instead of saying, no, you're going to tough it out. You're sticking with it go back in, finish that. They were like, okay, that's fine. You do you. It's yeah. And so they backed off. And when they backed <laughs> off, I started to realize, oh, okay. I actually am grateful that they were supporting me, but maybe that support could look a little different. And then as I got older, you know, like going into my senior year, when I started playing soccer again, we had more conversations around what that support could look like and how we both could compromise on things and they can feel respected with the rules they enforce. But I also felt like I could earn some trust and have some autonomy. So I would say um, that one of the best things that they did and that I did was having those conversations around what that navigation could look like, what that support, what that trust, um, an autonomy could look like. Yeah. Cause I think yeah, that's the- huge. I mean, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think and again, I, you know, I have four boys and so, you know, you certainly want to uh, protect them and, and guide them, but you also want to let them kind of fly the fly away. Right. And, and hopefully come yeah. back and, and, uh, but it's scary as a parent, as you know, with kid driving and all that stuff. And my 17 year old, uh, you know, ironically is my oldest firstborn. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly where you were at with your parents and my son plays soccer. And, and so it's, it's great and all, but it's like, it's one of those things too. Like I took the approach my parents did. So you couldn't, as a child, you couldn't get me off the golf course. I mean, it was sun up, sun down. Um, you know, I would, I would miss social stuff until it was like dark where I literally couldn't see the golf ball. I mean, it's all I wanted to do. I mean, a couple of my buddies, mm-hmm. Derek and Blake and these guys, we would just play all day long and, and, but my parents never forced me to do it, right? They never forced me to do that. And so I've kind of taken that same approach with my kids, 
But then there's also the times where I regret personally for me, I didn't challenge myself more. I think I could have done more with golf, but I didn't have a challenge uh, to myself or from others that made me want to go to that next level. So I've struggled with that, right? Is how do you hold our kids accountable? How do you be there? How do you support them to go to that next level if they want to go to the next level? But how do we challenge the heck out of them in a respectful, loving, yeah. kind way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you bring up a, I think you bring up a really good point. And I, I want to like, I should have thrown this in early on as a disclaimer. And this is something I say with both parents and young athletes that I work with is like, there's no one right way. It's not like right. a black and white type of relationship. Relationships never are. It's very gray. And I think that's the most beautiful part of the process. Um, remind me. Okay. Hold on. Sorry. Remind me the last part of what you said. Cause I, so just like, how do we challenge our up. kids, right? How do we challenge our kids enough, but you know, not be over the top, but yet like, you yeah, know, like yeah. even take my fourth boy, for example, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a junior, I've got a freshman seventh grade and in third grade. So no matter what, right. But pick any of them. How do you challenge that person? If they want to do it, that's, I'm a big believer in that. If they want to do it, this is their passion. I'm never going to say, I'm not the dad that's like, you're going to go do golf. And you know, my first two don't really even, they like it, but they don't really care. I would love to have a golfer, but I'm not going to push that. Right. So how do we push our children to do what they love to get to the level of whether it's D one or D three, whatever they want to go or professionally, how do we do that? Yeah. So Uh, two things come to mind. I think one thing is setting the example yourself. Uh, So how do you demonstrate that that's what you do on a daily basis? You know, is it something around being active and signing up for a marathon or a 5k and showing them that you're putting in the work, you've committed to something and you're going to follow it through and it shows up and it's reflected in your behaviors and your choices day to day. Uh, you know, being open and, and honest and vulnerable to the extent that you feel comfortable of like, Hey, this is the job. This is the career that I have. And my kids get to watch me. I I think of it, like if I were to have kids, I'm working from home. So they would kind of see me do what I do and see that I'm working hard every day, see that I'm passionate. And that when you're passionate about something, it doesn't mean that it's always easy. And that the hard parts are where you can grow the most and they can see me work through that. They can maybe hear me talk about it. It's not complaining, right? It's not focusing on the problem. It's focusing on the solutions and they can actually hear the way I talk about what I'm going through and how I'm going to overcome it, how I'm going to stay committed to what I'm, you know, working on or passionate about what my career path is. So it's kind of living that out. I think that's one of the most important things or the best things you could do. So lead by example. Uh, Yeah. Lead by example. Would agree, disagree. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I would a hundred percent agree. I mean, I think it's, um, it's, yeah, it's critically important for that. And and I, I'm very open with my kids and, and, you know, work and, you know, I don't get into details, right. And names and all that kind of stuff, but like, Hey, I struggle with something today and, but here's what we did. And here was a solution and I'm a big journal guy and here's what I did in my mind. You know, we can have a pity party, and cry about it all day, or I can go to my journal and I can work my way out of this, whatever that problem is to your point of what's the solution. Don't let's not just keep adding fertilizer and water to the problem. It's like, Hey, there's a problem. It's how we deal with it. Now let's Mm -hmm. go in my way of journal our way out of it and put a game plan together. And I think it's important for them to see that. 
Yeah, completely. Because it, it transfers over to like, if I were to come home from work and I'm like, oh, you know, John and Susie were so terrible and this is so hard. I didn't talk to them about it, but I'm just venting because I'm frustrated when I'm home right. and I don't like this. And, oh, I've got to go to work today. Your kids are going to see that. But then we can't blame them when they're like, oh, I don't want to go to practice. It's going to be so hard. We're going to run. I didn't yeah. like that the coach didn't play me, right? Like we are modeling the behaviors. And so if they reflect those, we can't really be mad at them because we were doing the same thing. So lead by example is number one. I think two would be like, what is success? What is success? What is it that they want to achieve? Because success can look very different. But then beyond that, and I think this really transfers into the corporate space as well. It's like, what are our values? What is success? But then we have to dive deeper than that. It's what are the behaviors that are going to reflect it day to day? Yeah. So if they say, you know, I want to play D1. Okay, well, what is it that you need to do? What is it that if you do consistently on a daily basis, it's going to help you achieve that. It's going to help you find this process. We know this process isn't going to be easy, but that's where like the good stuff is. Like yeah. that's where we grow. It's not just the outcome. I think our society, especially, we're so focused on the outcome. And if I get here, I'm going to be happy. And if this happens, then I'll enjoy it. Or all I want to do is win this national championship. Well, then all these coaches that win the national championship, they get there and it it doesn't take long for someone to ask, okay, same thing next year, right? Now, all of a sudden, they didn't really get to enjoy it that much. It's already back to the grind. So if you don't like the grind, you're going to make yourself miserable eventually. So God, It's so funny you say that. It's like I find that I love the grind. I love the journey. And I, I actually, for me, I do better when there's more chaos than yeah. when there's not chaos, right? It's I don't know. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird, but it uh, when when you said that you got to enjoy the grind. It's true. Like I I've enjoyed the last eight years, nine years of building a business and being on the grind. Right. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But but again, to your point, is you gotta you gotta want that. Right. And mm -hmm. and another thing we were talking about too is I think it's important that my wife and I we're not the family. It's like oh it's you know here it is Sunday night. We got oh the old Mondays. Thank God it's Friday versus thank God it's Monday. It's like no. Let's have, I mean. Every day is the same for us, right? But but you got to find passion in what you do, and if it's whether it's your kids, the kid playing soccer or the parent at work, if you're not loving what you're doing, man, you need to make a change. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely agree. Um, my favorite day of the week is is Monday. I'm going to be honest, and it's it's not because Monday is the the easiest day of the week. It's because I love what I do, and I'm excited yep. to show up. I'm excited to build momentum for the week ahead because I've trained my brain to think that way. The process really is the best part. Um, and I, I think it's like that, are we focused on the outcome? Are we focused on just, you know, winning the game or are we focused on achieving mastery in what we're doing on yeah. a daily basis? Because if we can focus on achieving mastery, the outcome takes care of itself. That's right. And I always say clarity precedes mastery, right? So the clearer to your mm -hmm. point earlier, do you want to play division one? Do you want to play professionally? And I can't remember who it was, but somebody was saying, maybe it was Bryce Harper or somebody, you know, plays for the Phillies and the major league baseball. And it was like, so many people said they want to just make it to the major leagues right now. Once you get there, it's the hardest thing about being in the major leagues on any professional athlete is staying there, right? It's not getting there. I mean, it's hard to get there, of course, but staying there mm -hmm. from guys I've talked to, but it's like his goal is to be a hall of famer 
Well, getting there versus being a Hall of Famer, that's two different things. My work ethic must be different. My choices, my food intake, my exercise, everything's different if you're trying to build a Hall, a hall of Fame career. And that's that clarity, I think, that we all need. Per- personally, professionally, uh, as a kid and as an adult, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. So what... Of- um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say part of that, I think, is getting clear on, on your values, too, because that's going to dictate and drive the direction you want to go. That's, that's a whole yeah. other conversation. But what were you going to say? That's another podcast, right? So um, <laughs> let's talk about your webinar since we're on this, the kid thing. And, and I think this is important. So you, you have a April 6th, you have a webinar, which it's $10 a person. So this is, this is not a barrier of entry problem here, right? Um, but this is called College Ready. It's for parents, it's for kids, it's for coaches. So talk to us about this webinar and what it's going to do and what people can get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's April 6th, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, And that is going to be trying to provide as well-rounded of an insight as we can into what preparing and going into college looks like. So it's going to have college coaches, strength and conditioning coach. uh, I'm going to be on there as well from the mental performance sports psychology side. We've got uh, a youth international coach a sport recruiting company. So we're trying to cover all angles. Uh, And then we've got two coaches, division one and division three. So we're trying to provide insight into eligibility, what college coaches are looking for when it comes to film, how you can stand out to college coaches, uh, how you need to prepare your body to reduce the risk of injury and go in ready to play. What type of mental attributes do you need? What are the differences between college divisions? Uh, It's going to have a live Q&A. So that way you can get all your questions answered in one place. Uh, so that's really the goal of it is to make that. sure it's and cost efficient. Everybody has access to it. And where do we find that? What, uh, where do we go? Assuming there's a website we can sign up. Yeah. So linktree.com forward slash sports psychology. If you type that, you'll see a link to register. And then you can also um, find that link on my Instagram which is the at sign rise over dot run. Perfect. We will put all that in the show notes too, Ellie. So everybody has an access, uh, easy link to get to that. So that's awesome. That sounds like an amazing event. And uh, I think I know what I'm doing from seven to nine central time on April 6th. I already see where I'm going to set my house. I'm going to watch it. We're going to have some fun. We're going to learn. And uh, so you mentioned recovery. So this is we're going to bleed into now into the uh, into the culture and the mindset and the business side of this uh, this podcast. But this goes this is kind of a way that can help both. So what do we do for recovery um, to help our bodies? So if we're an athlete as a child, me, a 45 year old guy that likes to work out is a little sore today. I did legs yesterday, so I'm a little sore. Uh, What can we do to uh, recover and, and feel better? What can we do to recover and feel better from a physical standpoint? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's take it back to my college days. Um, So I, I mean, day after something tough, I would say like we've got all these new things now with the uh, Theragun rolling out. Movement is medicine, right? Like lighter, longer movement, whether it's a walk, whether it's a bike ride, get some type of movement in, mobility work, flexibility work, especially if we're tired and sore. So any sort of post-game day for me would look like that. I'm writing what this would you stuff say? down. What's, what's on your recovery day today then, Brett? 
Mine will be stretching and uh, maybe some yoga, and uh, I'll probably still get on the rower. And uh, I don't work out on Wednesday mornings, um, and so because I do a, a Tuesday mornings, I work out really early, and then Tuesday night I do about a four mile walk when my youngest is at soccer practice. So give myself Wednesday morning to just not have to uh, dive right back into exercise. So I'll fit it in sometime today and get it done. But I, I think, you know, for me, it's, it's, there's the ice bath people talk about and, and I'm not perfect at that, but it's, uh, it's certainly something that is, is helpful. I, I feel completely different after three or four minutes in an ice bath at 40 something degrees. It is absolute hell for 30 seconds, at least for me. And, uh, you know, you see people get in these things and they act like nothing happened. Well, I get in it and you think I've been shot. Uh, every time it happens. And so I think it sucks and, but I do it and it feels better. Uh, so that I do a sauna, uh, for recovery, I think is a big deal, but the stretching and just moving your body is, is a big, big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That cold exposure therapy is becoming more and more popular. I'm seeing that all the time with how people start their day, like the cold tubs that you can have at your house now. Yeah. Yeah. That's becoming more and more popular. So I, I've, I've gone through phases where I've tried it, but I'm similar to you where I'm like, especially in the morning. And if it's already cold outside, yeah, mm, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it just feels so cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it does. It's absolutely terrible, but I will say it's worth it. Every time I do yeah, it, I'm sure. happy I've done it, but it is hell. Uh, getting into it. So for those listening, just give it a shot, especially here in yeah. the Midwest, you can just turn your bathtub on, just the cold water only. And it's, you know, in the wintertime like this, it's really cold. Um, and so yeah. give it a shot. See if you can last three or four minutes in there. And uh, But you got to focus on your breathing because your heart rate goes about a mile a minute. And uh, mm-hmm. just, but the breathing part is huge. And which leads me to my next question is I saw on your Instagram the, uh, the post of Lionel Messi, right? And so during the World Cup, he's got a, he's got a, I think it was the extra kicks, penalty kicks. Uh, at the end of the game, they're in overtime, double overtime, whatever it was. Talked about breathing, right? Breathing, mm-hmm. shoulders up. That was the post. Talk to us, again, from the business mindset and then the kid playing sports. Why is breathing so important and what do we need to focus on there? Yeah, I mean, breathing is is huge. It can be used for so many things in so many different ways. So it's something that I talk about pretty early on when I'm working with clients, just because it's one of the easiest things to grasp, right? We do it naturally, but actually, if we can do it a little bit more efficiently or with purpose, it can help us calm down. It can help us refocus. We can also use it to kind of like boost our energy, hype ourselves up a little bit too. So I think there's a lot that we can use breathing for. And then like even from a workout standpoint, right, we're supplying oxygen to the body. We can get more out of our body when we're supplying that oxygen. So there's so much that that the breath and breath work can be used for in that particular case when I shared the video. So talking about the World Cup, it's like these high pressure moments, high pressure situations. So in sport, we can see that in really important games, really important moments. in every single sport. So I think like free throws, penalty kicks, those can be good examples. Um, So there's that, but then there's also giving a presentation about to deliver some type of workshop or have a difficult conversation. We can use this same breathing in those moments as well. And what it is, is it's just moments where if there's high pressure, we might be carrying some tension. So for me, I carry a lot of tension 
in my shoulders. I don't know. Do you carry tension in your shoulders or have anywhere in your body that you carry? Tension? I do. Mine's right, right here, kind of in my neck slash left shoulder. Okay. So, so oftentimes it's like through the neck area and the shoulders. Yeah. And so what we do is we take a big deep breath in and we tense everything up, right? So right. we tense up the area that we know is holding a lot of tension already and pressure. So we tense it up to acknowledge that we know it's there and then deliberately on that breath out through the mouth, we drop the shoulders, we release it. So by doing that, we're releasing tension, but also we're drawing our focus away from whatever might be causing anxiety and choosing to be back in the present moment. Because to think about the breath, we have to be present with it. So all of a sudden we've let go, even if it's for a split second, we've consciously let go of whatever was holding us back and we've decided to be in the moment so that we can be our best in that moment. Does that make sense? It does. And, and I, I a thousand percent believe that. And because I'm, I've been meditating and breathing, whatever we want to call it, mindfulness uh, for gosh, probably a decade at least now. And it, it, it was a game changer, life changer for me. And I, I share this all the time on here and in public with people is, is that breathing part is hard when you're having a, an anxiety moment or a stressful moment to believe like, oh, a couple deep breaths are going to help. Yeah, whatever, man, buzz off, right? This is, you know, whatever, cuckoo talk. But it, it's so dang true, right? And it's just, if you start to believe it and you start to try, just give it a chance, give it a try. It is a life changer for people that struggle with that stuff. And it's for me, I can mm -hmm. be in a moment in a meeting and just start to feel it for no reason. But you mm -hmm. can just kind of do some deep breathing, right? Breathe in through the nose, slowly out through the mouth. You know, people talk right. about box breathing. I think that's important for our success in any aspect of life. Mm -hmm. I think so as well. And it's, it's even like the, this is something that I do every single night before. I go to bed. So I'm one of those people who just, you know, right before you fall asleep, your mind starts to just relax. And all of a sudden those thoughts, right? You've been trying to control your brain all day to stay focused on tasks. Yeah. So now you try and go to sleep and, and my thoughts, I don't know how you are, but like my thoughts are like, right. Yeah. Right. It's like I come up with the craziest inventions, the conversation yeah. I had two years ago. <laughs> my brain will go a million different directions. And so I use my breath and it's kind of a form of meditation. But I think that word can be kind of off putting sometimes. So I just use my breath and I pair it with a tide, like an ocean tide. So as I breathe in, the tide comes up, breathe out tide goes down and I picture an ocean. So it's a form of imagery and visualization as well. And that's my way of relaxing, clearing my mind. And it's like any thought that comes, I don't fight it. I let it pass. I'm observing it. I let it pass. And I go back to my ocean, back to my breathing. Every time I've done it, I'm not kidding, Brad. I fall asleep in three, four yeah. minutes tops. Yeah. yeah. So you're laying in bed, like, like ready to go to bed when you're doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I go to bed a lot with just a meditation going off on my, you know, my phone, which I shouldn't have it right next to me, but it's in the nightstand next to me. And, you know, I'll have that kind of peaceful music going and do the same thing, that breathing. And I, I need to probably visualize the ocean, but other, my only thought would be, I would be like excited and think about the ocean that I wouldn't go to bed because I'd be thinking about vacation <laughs> or something, but, but I'll give it a there shot. I'll go. give the ocean thing a <laughs> shot and see what happens. But, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's critically important. What What are some other things, Ellie? If I followed you around, would I see? So you get the breathing at night. Um, What other thing? Obviously, there's exercise in there. I assume daily or at least five or six times a week. What other things am I seeing that you do to be at the top uh, of your game? Yeah, I. I mean, I'll go with the first thing that pops up in my mind. I would say my self talk out loud and in my head. I used to be kind of embarrassed about the things that I say out loud, but I am not embarrassed anymore. If you're around me, you might hear me say something to myself and I, I have to work at it every day. I think it takes a lot of practice, a lot of consistency, just like you have to show up at the gym every day. You can't just stop and think, you know, you're, your muscles are going to stay the exact same way, right? Like you have to be consistent. And so my self-talk is very consistent. I'm trying to create a default mindset very intentionally. um, That's not, I'm always going to be confident. No, I might not always be confident, right? Because I think confidence is like a feeling. It can come and go, but I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to make the tough decisions. I'm going to lift myself up. I'm going to focus on solutions. And so I think you can hear that in the way that I talk to myself. So I'll give you an example. I, I might be um, talking to someone or in and around having a conversation and something might come out of my mouth like, oh, that was so annoying. I didn't like when that happened. And then I'll, I'll actually out loud go, hold on, let me try that again. And I'll mm-hmm. re-say it. And, and I will say something like, um, do you know what that I had a response that I noticed with that. So in the future, I'm going to try and conquer it like this. Like I will out loud and other people will hear me because I will literally be like, right. hold on, let me try that again, which I I'm not embarrassed of because I'm, you know, kind of demonstrating to others that I want to practice what I preach. And I'm hopefully encouraging other people to do the same for themselves. It's like we tear ourselves apart all the time. It's so easy to do that. It's not helpful. So I want to challenge myself to do hard things. I want to challenge myself to try things I'm afraid of. I want to challenge myself to, you know, create a new default mindset. And that means consistently kind of talking to myself the way that a good coach or a good friend would, right? It's challenging and challenging myself, but I'm making sure it's helpful and not hurtful. Yeah. So I I love that because it's funny. I I have, uh, for some reason I've got, and I, I agree with this. So I've lived my life that way. But when it comes to my golf game, I've been telling myself I'm absolutely terrible at putting over the last probably five years. I've been saying that. Well, guess what? My putting's getting worse, right? So this year, 2023, I always say to myself, I'm getting better every day, right? I'm getting better every day. Mm-hmm. And I know that today I'm going to be on a conference call that I don't have to talk much. I'm looking right over there at my putter and the seven golf balls and the little hole I've got, and I practice. I do 21 putts a day, right? And I'm getting better every day. And so I'm telling myself that this is the year I'm going to become a phenomenal putter. And, and, and who knows, right, if that happens. But I believe that there's a better chance of me telling myself that, that I will end 2023 as a better putter than I started it. And you can use that putting analogy for anything, right? I'm going to be a better at presenting in the boardroom to potential clients. I'm going to be better at whatever, but you got to tell yourself that, right? I'm getting better every day. I'm getting better every day. So I love that. Mm-hmm. That's great stuff. So how do we, how, what's, what's the path to build better confidence? Again, for the business person, the, the student athlete, how do we build more confidence? Yeah. 
So I think there's a lot of different ways that I could take that. Uh, I think we have a lot of different sources of confidence. So figuring out what those sources are is the first thing. It's, you know, is it rooted in affirmation from others, like getting positive feedback all the time? Is it getting awards and recognition? Is it in noticing that I'm mastering or kind of unlocking certain skills? Is it noticing that I'm improving in a certain way? Like there are a lot of different sources of confidence. Are they coming externally or internally? Because we want to make sure that it's not just through a reinforcement by others, because sometimes we don't have that luxury. Sometimes, uh, you know, our boss doesn't give a lot of positive feedback, not because they don't think positively of us, but they just don't think about giving that feedback all the time. Right. Right. Like we might not always have the luxury of getting that. We might not always have a coach who's going to lift us up because they've got a whole team of people they're working with. So we have to make sure that we reframe and look at sources of confidence that we have more control over. So that way we don't feel like we're just being impacted by things yeah. all the time, right? Like all too yeah. often, if I'm working with an athlete or if I'm working with somebody in the corporate space, it's like, oh, I had, I delivered a really great presentation or workshop. I'm feeling on top of it. Very confident. I had a great practice or a great game. I'm feeling on top right. of it. Oh, I didn't do very well. Or somebody called me out. Now I've got low confidence. It, it's exhausting. It's up and down. It's up it and is. down. So it's got to be focused on that, that process too, which again is something that's in our control. It's noticing, notice the little wins. Notice when you tried something that the you six months ago wouldn't have tried. Notice when you were just a little bit more consistent in something that you've been trying to improve on. Notice when you've achieved a certain skill that a year ago you didn't think you'd be able to do, or you got that promotion that you didn't think you were in. I think the promotion can be a bigger example, but there's more day-to-day -day stuff that we often don't notice. We just expect it. We're like, okay, now what? We got it, now what? Because we're constantly hard on ourselves. So it's making sure our confidence is at least somewhat rooted with things that are in our control and then recognizing when we make progress, give yourself some credit. We don't do that yeah. very often. Yeah. Would you allow me to give a shameless plug to my own journal that I am so pumped. This is uh, my it. journal. 22 years in the making is now live on Amazon. So, but my point to bring me, yeah, I thank you. Thank you very much. Um, my point to this is, is that every day it, it made me think of gratitude, right? Things that you, little victories, little things that we've got to be thankful for every day. And when we write those down every single day, you start to have more gratitude in your life. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's not ironic. So that, that's something I have people write down anywhere from three to five things in this journal on their daily planner uh, every day. But at the end of the 90 day worksheet or the 90 day journal, it, there's a gratitude worksheet. And this gratitude mm -hmm. worksheet talks about you know, month one, month two, month three is actually go through your telephone. Look at all the pictures you've taken. Look at all the things that you've done, the experiences you've created with friends and family, hopefully. Write those down one after another. All the things we're thankful for. Month one, month two, month three. And then at the end, let's go ahead and pre-book some amazing experiences with your wife, your or husband, your kids, your friends, your family, whoever. And get them booked, and now let's have an amazing next 90 days, right? And so just keep rolling through that, uh, I think, is important, is what came to my mind when, when you so eloquently talked about how to build confidence. I think gratitude's part of that. Mm. Yeah, I would completely agree. It's like what, what you focus on, you attract, 
right? Yeah. So if you're focusing on the things that you're grateful for, you're more likely to notice those things. If you're, if you're not, it's not that those things don't exist. We're just not looking for them. So what you're looking for, it multiplies. So I, I think when you mentioned that gratitude, if that's a practice that you have consistently, it means you're going to be looking for the things that are going well. You're going to be grateful. Even for the adversity, you're going to be grateful because you'll be able to notice more often how you've grown from it. I am significantly more thankful for all the not so good times, all the times where I didn't make the team, all the times where, you know, I didn't get such great feedback because I struggled with it. Then I was like, wait, I'm struggling because there's room for growth. Like, yeah. This is a message that's being sent to me. Um, and that gratitude journal and reflection is such a good way to reinforce that. Thank you for sharing that too. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me. Um, I'm going to have some fun. This is the second time I've done this and I'm going I'm to put you on the okay. spot here, but it's your Instagram account. So you've already gone public with it. So this will be nothing embarrassing. Uh, okay. but I want you to pick a number between one and 10. Okay. I will choose nine. One, two, three. All right. Now pick between, uh, one and three. Three. Okay, thank God you didn't pick one because it was... Uh, so basically what I did is I went to the 10th row of your Instagram account and I uh, picked, and the row you picked was the Lionel Messi was number one. So I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> this is going to backfire. I already, already talked about the Lionel Messi quote. And so you said number three. And so that one says, uh, build a life you love. Uh, things I like my day to consist of coffee, learning, movement, mm -hmm. helping others, pausing, hard to do, but always worth it, laughter and joy, pushing your limits, what daily habits are your non-negotiables? So that's a great quote, right? And a great post. And it's got the life of Ellie right there in your video. So, so walk us through that post. Why are those things important? Why do we share that? And what do you hope others get from it? Yeah. Oh, I think this is really actually related to your um, gratitude journal because it's the, the power of consistency and habit and the mm. things that are non-negotiable in my day because they keep me grounded to my values and on track. So for me, I mean, the things that you mentioned there, like movement, being active every day, finding time to pause so I can be in the present moment. Uh, like all of those things are really important to me because it reflects who I am, what's important to me, or it helps me stay on track and stay plugged into what's important to me. So I feel like the best version of myself when I have those habits uh, and those habits help me mentally physically and spiritually so what i would recommend i mean this is something that it's not going to be the same year after year after year i think there'll be some minor changes based on what's going on in my life but for the most part if i look at the last like, even 10 years all of those things that i listed have been pretty consistent for me in my day and usually as part of my morning uh, so I would recommend for anybody who doesn't have a morning routine or at least some type of routine throughout the day, try and find even the smallest of things, even if it's two, three minutes a day to incorporate things that are reflected in what's important to you or helping you be the best version of yourself. So that's, yeah. That's and and my say. guess is, um, you know, we, we don't go way back, but my guess is uh, what I've learned about you already through my research and through today is it's, I would even almost call it boringly consistent, right? I mean, you just show up every day, even on days you don't want to do it. 
um, you show up and you do it. And I think I even saw one that you said a crappy run is better than no run. Right. So mm-hmm. it's an all or nothing attitude that we have. And I'm stealing the words mm-hmm. out of your post there, but it's so true. I think so many times in business and in, and in personal lives, whatever it's, it's all or nothing, right? We can't have a crappy day. And I've learned to even celebrate a crappy day because I still got up and made some things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, in that it's like, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the fact that you didn't do as well as your highest standard or can you look at it with like appreciation and some gratitude that like, hey, I still did something. It's not all or nothing. We all too often think it's all or nothing, yeah. uh, right? Like I I want to make the team. So I either go and talk to the coach and say, I want to be on the team or else I'm going to quit. It's, it's not like, okay, what's the in-between look like? Yeah. What does this conversation look like? What's the compromise or what can I do? And that's reflected in habits day to day. I think yeah. that. celebrating when it's not as good. Well, this has been absolutely awesome. Uh, Ellie, where can our listeners find more of you? Mm. Uh, Find me on Instagram and LinkedIn, probably more so than other places, I would say. So Instagram, I think I already mentioned earlier, riseover.run, and then LinkedIn as well. Uh, Yeah, probably there more so than anything else. And you've got your link tree. For those that don't know what link tree is, you can check it out on her um, Instagram handle. I've got one as well. And it just kind of shows you anything that you'd want to get from that person. So uh, that's good. That's great. Ellie, it's been awesome having you on the Circuit of Success. And uh, we'll we'll see you uh, on April 6th. Uh, at your webinar and uh, for those people that listen she does respond hence how we're together on uh, on this podcast today so reach out um, any questions you have for Ellie and Ellie it's been awesome having you likewise Brett it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me